0: It's a great opportunity, Financial Peace University, um, it starts three weeks from today, it actually starts, it uh, happens during this hour to about noontime, from 1030 to noon, but we want you to be a part of it. Um, I've been through it three different times, actually one uh, also privately went through all of it. I'm a little slow, it takes me a little while. Some of us are slower than others, but the impact in your life by going through Financial Peace University is profound. And so I really want to encourage you to sign up. Now, if you're a part of this church, um, the $99 fee we take care of and we pay for. And so all you got to do is go online, sign up, and plan on being a part of that. That will begin February the 9th. So if I were to ask you today, um, what's your week look like? How busy does your week look right now w- would you say yeah my week looks a little bit crazy it's a little bit busy and if you and i had an argument about who was the busier who do you think might win maybe our exchange would sound a little bit like these two guys it again. Wow, that sounds like a nightmare <laughs> it was a nightmare it was a tomato nightmare <laughs> this is so much fun dude uh, super uh, we, fun. we gotta do this again yeah, sometime. yes please hey should we get something on the books i mean we're here sure yeah Let's do it. Whew, I've just been so busy. Gosh, so busy. tired. Busy and tired It's like my mantra. <laughs> I swear, I'm the busiest person I know. Believe me, I'm busier. Am I busier than you? Or are you busier than me? Why is it that it becomes like our mantra? Why is this whole idea just seem to be this thing we want to show to other people? We're busier than anyone else. A guy by the name of Tim creder wrote an article for the New new york times he calls this the busy trap and he writes this he says if you live in america in the 21st century you've probably had to listen to a lot of people tell you how busy they are it's become the default response when you ask anyone how they're doing busy so busy crazy busy it is pretty obviously a boast disguised as a compliment And the stock response is a kind of a congratulation. Well, that's a good problem to have or better than the opposite. Busyness serves as a kind of hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked, in demand every hour of the day. We're busy busy. Because of our own ambition or drive or anxiety, because we're addicted to busyness and dread that we might have to face in its absence. So is your busyness a boast disguised as a complaint? Now one of the things that's true about those of us that live in West County is that we do love to talk about how crazy busy we are how many things that we have going on in our life. Uh, we, We like to talk about how busy we happen to be. In fact, researchers have coined the phrase busy bragging. I'm not sure if they're describing West County or just America in general, but it's become a status symbol. I'm so busy. For some of us, Saying that I'm busy is job protection, right? We want to make sure our boss knows how busy we are. For some of us, it's task avoidance. So I can't do that because I'm just too busy. Or it's an excuse. Or maybe this claim to being so busy is really just a sign of a deeper issue. Maybe it's a hedge against emptiness. So what if I were to tell you in the face of this busy mantra that we have, what if I were to tell you, that to intentionally step away from all the busyness, that that really is the hedge against emptiness in our life. So we're in a series entitled Focal Point, and it's the picture of an artist or it's the picture of a photographer where they want to bring our attention to one specific spot. That's where they want us to be able to focus. And so what we're doing together as a church family is striving to make Jesus the focal point of our life. We're talking about what does that look like and what might that mean. And So the first week of our series, we took a look at a passage from Hebrews 12 where we're challenged to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. And what we learned in that very first week is this, that what we focus on will determine our destination. So if you're thinking about what you want 2020 to look like or 2021 to look like, you have to pay attention now to what it is that you're focusing on. Then last week, we took a look at the story of Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, who actually walked on water for a period of time, but because he took his eyes off Jesus, he sunk down in the water. But what we need to most recognize out of that story is not that Peter sunk, but where he looked to when he got distracted and went down in the water. He looked to Jesus Christ, and we learned that momentary distractions are not cause for permanent failure. Because you and I, we're going to mess up this year. All of us at some point or another in our lives, we're going to take our eyes off of Jesus Christ. And so the challenge for us is realizing don't don't let that cause me to just give up but always turn our eyes back on jesus christ so today we turn to luke chapter 5 so i want to encourage you to turn in your bibles to luke 5 there's a bible in the seat in front of you In fact, one of the things we're doing this year, if you use the YouVersion Bible app, you can go to the events portion of the YouVersion app and look up Wildwood Christian Church, and all of the notes are there as well. Or if you like old school, you can use the paper notes that you were handed when you came in today. But we look at a verse that's a little bit out of place, um, especially in in that it's in the midst of all the busyness and the demands that Jesus is dealing with in his life. But what we learned from Jesus is that when all of the crowds clamored for Jesus' attention, they needed him, they wanted him, you know what Jesus did? Jesus, in essence, turned his back on the crowds and he stepped away. He withdrew from them. And so the key for today, what we're learning is this, that focus comes when we withdraw. To withdraw in order to take time to focus on our Heavenly Father is to invite him to guard your life and to guide my life. In other words, we're inviting him by withdrawing. We're inviting him to fill the emptiness of our life with significance, which he's the only one who can do that. So I want to take a moment and look at some of the context surrounding this one verse that we're going to look at in Luke chapter 5. And so I'm going to begin in Luke 5 verse 12. So Luke writes these words in Luke 5.12. He says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. But then Jesus ordered him. Don't tell anybody, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So Jesus, Luke gives us this kind of a picture of just one of a multitude of healings that Jesus does. But in the midst of this, we see the love and the compassion and the power of Jesus. Leprosy was a horrible disease. It made you an outcast in that society. Nobody wanted to be around you, let alone touch you. But what does it say Jesus did? He reached out and he touched this man and he brought healing to him. So it presents kind of a dilemma to Jesus because of all that he's done. So look what it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. So the result of Jesus' healing is more and more people came around so then we come to verse 17 of Luke 5 it says one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus when they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So another healing. But this time they encounter a problem because Jesus is so popular. There's so many people thronging for his attention, so many people demanding him, they can't even get him into Jesus. They've got to tear a hole in a guy's roof just to get him right in front of where Jesus is at. And you look at all the demands on Jesus' time and energy. People want to be with him. People need him. I mean, he's like Mr. Popularity. And so right in the middle of all this busyness, we come to the verse that we're looking at today, which is verse 16. It says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray. Why would Jesus include this verse here? It has nothing to do with the healing before. It has nothing to do with the healing after. It doesn't speak into either any of those kind of situations. It almost seems like it doesn't fit in the middle of all this crazy busyness. All of the demands on Jesus Christ right there. It's quite a contrast to verse 15, right? What's it say again in verse 15? Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. I mean, isn't that what Jesus wants? He wants crowds around him. That's at least what every preacher wants, right? We want lots of people to come and to hear us. Jesus, in the midst of all this crazy busyness, he does something that's really kind of seems rude and inconsiderate. He withdrew, he turned his back on all of these people, and he went off by himself so that he could pray with his heavenly Father. I mean, people need Jesus. They need his healing. They need his teaching. They they need the difference that Jesus can make. Can you imagine wanting to be around Jesus all of the time, and yet Jesus walks away from him. He turns his back on him. He withdraws from them. Yet, it seems that Jesus is indicating to us that his real mission on this earth wasn't to teach. It wasn't to heal. It wasn't to provide food for people. Jesus Mission on this earth was pretty simple. It was that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the way he did that was by giving his life on the cross. His purpose for coming was to die on the cross for our sins. In other words, Jesus' mission, his understanding of the purpose of his life, his priorities seemed to be very different from the crowd. So when faced with all of these demands, what does Jesus do? Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. So I want to take a couple of minutes and talk about what this means, what Jesus actually did. So he begins with saying, but Jesus often withdrew. He often withdrew. It is a word that means you choose to sequester yourself from the crowd." It's a word that means you retire away from where everybody else happens to be. Jesus was intentionally turning his back in the midst of a lot of demands for his time. He was intentionally turning his back on the crowd and withdrawing. Could it be that Jesus knew something about himself and about the circumstances that he was faced with there that sometimes we forget? I mean, there's oftentimes encouragement in Scripture to do this. The psalmist says in Psalm 46, 10, 10, Be still and know that I am God. How often are we still and we listen to the voice of God? I think this is at the heart and the need of the Sabbath command in the Old Testament. You know one of the Ten Commandments? We're to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, we're no longer under the Ten Commandments. We don't, we're not obligated to obey those, but the principles are astonishing that God established a day in, our, in the life of humanity so that we would stop and we would rest and we would spend time with him. Jesus chose to withdraw because he knew. He couldn't keep going and meeting all the demands of people that were around him and they were constantly needing something from Jesus. Sounds a lot like a mother with young children, right? They're constantly needing something from their mother. It's exhausting. And you can't go on forever like that. So Jesus often withdrew. Then it goes on to say he often withdrew to lonely places. This is um, the word for wilderness. It means a desolate place. Nobody else is around. No noise, no people, no distractions. Nothing else at all. How long do you think you could sit quietly with no noise, no cell phone, no music, no Pandora, no TV, nobody else around you? How long do you think you could sit in that quiet? Some of you are thinking, well, that'd be awfully wonderful right now, right? But then about, what, 20, 30 minutes into it, we start getting bored and our minds start wondering. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, no distraction. Maybe there's something that we need to learn in this. Maybe a part of the reason why we struggle so much of it is what we might discover if we finally just get real quiet and no other distractions around us. We begin to think about things in our life. The need of solitude and silence in our lives is profound. Jesus gave us that example. So we often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. It's just a word you find all throughout scripture where it's just simply he had a conversation with his heavenly father he spent time talking with them about what's going on about the deeds in his life so why would jesus who by the way is god need to spend time talking with his father in heaven and there's a sense it really doesn't make sense i mean because jesus is like the trinity right you got god the father you got god the son god the holy spirit it's like they're together all the time what what is it about jesus that caused him to need this i mean prayer is definitely a recurring theme all throughout the gospels jesus oftentimes took time to pray sometimes it was in public sometimes it was in private luke chapter 3 and verse 21 luke says this when all the people were being baptized jesus was baptized too and as he was praying heaven was open luke six twelve. one of those days jesus went up to a mountainside to pray and spent the whole night praying to God. Luke 9.18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? Luke 9.28, about day, eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James, and John with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. Luke 11.1, 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So why would Jesus, who is God, why would he need to take time to withdraw and spend time in prayer? Well, it's important to realize that though Jesus was fully divine, he was also fully human. He has the same limitations. He has the same needs. He has the same wants in his life that you and I face every day of our lives. And so with that in mind, Jesus knew that there were times when he needed to get away. But I think a part of why he needed to get away is because getting away with God gives us a sense of perspective. I mean, haven't you had a time in your life where you just got to say to God, God, this does not make sense. I do not understand why this is happening. This is frustrating or discouraging or confusing or bewildering. I mean, David was like that. Um, in Psalm chapter 73, David is wrestling with God about these wicked people who it always seems like everything's good happening to them. And he says this in verse 16. He says, when I tried to understand it, it troubled me deeply. You ever been troubled deeply about things that you just don't get? But then David says, till I entered the sanctuary of God and I understood their final destiny. In other words, I didn't get this. It was frustrating to me till I took some time and to step into God's presence. suddenly God gave me a perspective that I really needed and God does that in our life but I think Jesus also needed some rest and like you and I we need hope in our lives David said in Psalm 62 truly my soul finds rest in God my salvation comes from Him." truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. See, like us, he needed to to refocus his life on the greatest priority, which was God, his Father. And we only gain insight when we withdraw to focus on the Father. So I want to, give you three different observations about Jesus here. The first one is this. Jesus chose values over pressure. In the midst of all of the demands and the pressure on his life, Jesus made priority-based decisions. He made value-based decisions. But there was a lot of pressure on him because he only had three years to accomplish what God had called him to do. I mean, he had 12 guys that he had to train in three years to be able to carry on the work of the church and most of those guys were were pretty slow like you and i happen to be and so he the pressure is on jesus christ the crowds definitely wanted more and more jesus i mean if he did what they wanted he would have spent all of his time healing them and teaching them and feeding them the pressure of the demands on jesus are difficult to comprehend yet he wasn't guided by the pressures of the demands He was guided by his priorities, by the values that he had established, that his father had given to them. He didn't allow the crowds to determine how he was going to spend his time. He intentionally turned his back on the crowds to be able to spend time with the Father. And this is such a crucial lesson for you and for me. Our decisions must be based upon values and upon priorities not solely on the pressures and the demands of this world. And what happens to us is without the priority of time with the Father, our values crumble. I mean, we've all had seasons in our life in which maybe for a period of time things were going well, but we begin to notice that we're getting irritable or we're falling to temptation a lot in a certain area or really struggling in a relationship and we suddenly realize I haven't been spending time with the Father. He hasn't been helping me to be able to adjust in the face of some of these difficulties. The urgent shouts and the crucial gets lost in all of the noise. Focus comes when we withdraw. So what what are you doing to ensure the value of focus on the Father is chosen over all the pressures of your life? What are you doing? The second thing I notice is Jesus shows the quiet over the noise. He chose the quiet over the noise. There's something to be said for withdrawing to the lonely places. Because the noise of our life drowns out the voice of our Father. So, what are you doing in your life to quiet all of the other noise, right? So that you can listen to your Heavenly Father and what He wants to say to you. And it's not going to happen unless you and I intentionally plan it, right? Because our schedules are crazy as they are unless we intentionally plan this time. So why why won't we intentionally plan to take time with the Father? What kind of gets in our way? I think there's millions of excuses that we can give, and most of them are lies that we tell ourselves so that we don't have to sit quietly and wrestle with our inward voices. It's a lot easier just to keep the volume up so I don't really have to think about what it is that I'm struggling with in my life. See, our body... In our mind, we need times like that. Jesus recognized that. He needed that in his own life so that we can listen to our Father in heaven. So what would that look like for you? What would it look like for you to step away periodically to just listen to the, your Father in heaven? For me, it's periodically you know, going out in the woods and taking a hike somewhere. But maybe for you, it's turning off your cell phone, turning off the internet, turning off the TV, I know that's really scary to do all of those kind of things. Maybe for you, it's to go up in your attic where it's quiet or to take a walk around your neighborhood. It's to get away so that it can just be us and our Father in heaven. Thomas Merton in The Silent Life said this, Not all men are called to be hermits, but all men need enough silence and solitude in their lives to enable the deep inner voice of their own true self to be heard at least occasionally jesus also tro- chose a true need over the urgent i mean i think it's easy to forget that jesus though fully divine was fully human and he had the same limitations that you and i have but he knew what his true need and that was to be alone with his father in heaven he needed to talk with his heavenly father and so do you and i we need to spend time listening to our Father in Heaven by opening the Word and letting God speak to us through His Word. We need to spend time talking to God about the things in our life through prayer. You know, prayer is one of those things that we can tend to make really complicated, and it just doesn't happen to be. It's just a conversation I'm having with my Father in Heaven. And if you need some help in regard to what, what should I do in prayer, Jesus actually gave us a model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. and We don't pray that exact prayer and we're done but it guides us in our praying. you know it begins our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name so we take time in our prayer to honor prayer to honor God say God you're great you're amazing you know your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we pray that God's will would be done on this earth we pray for his church right that we would do what God wants us to do and make an impact but we pray for our own lives God help me to do your will so that your will is being done on this earth through me. We talk about the needs that we have. We talk to him about how we struggle in our lives with sin. We talk about the struggle of our relationships. But we just spend this time having a conversation with our Heavenly Father. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So a couple summers ago, Patty and I loaded our bicycles up on the back of one of our cars and we uh, drove to Core Lake and we were going to ride our bikes around Core Lake, real pretty area. The only problem when we got there, one of the bikes, one of the tires was really low on air. I don't really know how that happens. You know, it's just kind of like all of a sudden the air leaves. It wasn't like I was trying to get the air out of it. I don't mind riding a bike, really, you know. And I, I've also learned uh, from experience that riding a bike with low tires is not a lot of fun and it's a lot of extra work right it's just so much more difficult but somehow somewhere the air leaks i got to thinking that's kind of a picture of our life that bike tire we don't intentionally take air out it just leaves and like it's no fun to ride a bike with low air in the tires. It's not a lot of fun to live a life in which all of the air has just kind of left our lives. We don't even necessarily know how that happens. It just leaves. Life has a way of deflating us. So you have that difficult conversation with someone and it's like, Shh. that's the sound tires make when air is leaving, it, right? Shh. Or you have that another conversation with your teenager in which you want to kill them and you just, you know, you're, you're like, want to pull your hair out. It's like, Shh. Or your boss must think that you don't do anything all day long when he comes and gives you one more project for you to be able to take care of. And it's like, tss. or you have that encounter with that person and you're being kind and considerate and they're just being a jerk, right? And it's like, tss. all through our lives, every single day, stuff happens that just kind of deflates the spirit and the soul out of our lives so what are you doing to make sure that your life is filled back up with what god needs to bring into your life what are you doing to be filled back up jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed he knew that focus comes when we withdraw